Warning, this podcast contains hot takes, cliched opinions and strong language. Welcome to Records and Facts. Welcome to Records and Bands, I'm Rob Jones. I'm delighted to welcome from that F. King show to talk about his F. King Records and Bands, a podcaster, a writer, an artist, a grot merchant and someone who draws the finest bums on the internet is that F. King guy. Welcome to the show, how are you? I'm good, sir. Thank you for that introduction. Everyone knows I, I, I like my grot, my butts. And your dirty converse, apparently. <laughs> yes, big, dirty, stinking, clumpy DMs. Um, I've dragged you on to get into some music talk, but before we get into that, would you like to just tell us a little bit about your podcast, which is probably my second favourite show on the internet at the moment? That would be debatable when you hear the new new series going out, because, yeah, the new series is a big, uh, change we're doing an audio drama for a couple of weeks and then a bring the guest in to do well uh, tell us what they do after they die or trying to get them into heaven keep them out of hell or the other one which is um what they do if they were a god that's the current season before that it's uh quizzes end of the world stuff you know the, the general stuff you get with podcasts <laughs> um any other creative endeavors you'd like to plug I draw, um, as you said, Grot on the internet. You can find that on uh, that, that F King Art on Instagram mostly. Because uh, the Twitter is... Well, some people don't like seeing Grot on there. I, I got someone complaining about seeing someone showing off their navel recently, which was fun. Yeah, so if you want to see my Grot, you go onto the, the website, com. That's my plug for the thing, com. Everything's on there. Brilliant. Social media, Grot everything except my son has got his eyes on a career of sorts in the art world and i've been um, pushing your stuff his way to say look this is the stuff you can be doing <laughs> and he loves it so uh, that's good to hear as long as i'm you're not pushing it to a minor well he is it's but, a bit, you know. bit steamy yeah yeah no 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 I, 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 it's screened don't worry the um, <laughs> game of thrones of dicks i didn't show it I do like that. That's still Instagram, amazingly. They've not taken that down. Brilliant. Right, should we get straight in then? No kissing? No kissing. In dry. <laughs> no lube. So, tell me about your top three albums of all time ever. Or your top three bands and artists. Or both, if you're feeling brave. Okay, so... yeah, I'm, I'm going to come across as a bit of a basic bitch, I think, on this. Because I do do the... Um, on my record collection and what i listen to is very eclectic and it's also random and i do if you check my um, instagram at the moment the f king show on instagram i started doing album of the day and it bounces all over the place i've had a bit of leonard cohen on now today i've got some um uh, soul punk i believe it's called and bit of metal that kind of stuff but yeah i don't go too deep into music a lot of the time so the stuff i do listen is very surface level i'm guessing so when it comes to these uh, top three albums, yeah, first one, Pink Floyd, Wish You Were Here. That's a good album. It's a very good album. It, it's not like completely out there. It Critically, it was a bomb when it first came out. It wasn't liked as much. Now it's considered one of their best. There's uh, five songs, 44 minutes overall. 
It's a quite yeah. a long song. When was that? Was that 1917? Was that 79? Was it? 75. Was it that early, was it? Yeah. Uh, all My about... dad was really into Pink Floyd, but he liked like Umma Gumma and stuff. <laughs> so yeah, it was Pink Floyd, I, I've, um, they're not a singles act, so they're a hard sell. So you've got to be into the albums specifically a lot of the time. Uh, this one's all about alienation and the music business, which I think you can put into most arts. Like that feeling of, um, hey, be part of the machine kind of thing, you know. Um, but yeah, alienation is, is something I kind of relate to because I was bullied in school. And later in life, it's I'm always kind of on my own with a lot of things. And people think I'm rude because I'm quiet which sets me on a vicious circle of being a dick to people because I am I am a bit of a dick sometimes. But if people are, are rude to me, I'm rude back. But they're always in a position of power and I'm like rude to the person in charge of the company kind of thing. Yeah, good on you. Which always puts me in a bit of trouble. So, yeah. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, Pink Floyd, Wish You Were Here. Um, Wish You Were Here, my favourite song of all time, pretty much. All right, okay. Um, and they're, they're like the... um testament to the way music is where it's like it was sold as a record back in the day and nowadays they're all called concept albums if they're like that you know you've got to listen to the whole album to get the yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah. a concept album in back and then it was it was just an album just an album yeah yeah so the shuffle button has a lot to answer for on that one it does think i think we might get into this in a bit actually but um yeah it's a lot of records nowadays say they're not even records are they but um collection of a coll- collection of songs yeah yeah and there's also, um, what am I trying to get at? There doesn't seem to be a lot of uh, concept in it. There doesn't seem to be a lot of, it's like, we've got four, we've written 15 songs during this recording session. So they're all going on the album rather than yeah. just put like the best 10 or 12 on. Yeah. We'll and I think it all on. Pink Floyd are the best of that thing where the oh, concept album, they have like ups and downs. So that album is like, it's a story all the way through it. And it's beautiful. Uh, next album, Jason Isbell, Southeastern. I believe you talked about this one on the show. What a, a record. Back. Yeah. Absolute classic. Uh, got into his work after listening to a bunch of Drive-By Truckers albums. Um, Southern Rock Opera is an honourable mention for this list. Almost made it. That's a great album. But yeah, I got into his stuff from that. Um, this was recorded just out of rehab for him. So it's full of like raw emotion. It's a real storyteller. Each song has a, a tale of love, loss, in the most beautiful way. With the exception of Super 8, which has got that sequencing thing problem. It's, it's a bit jarring mm. at the start, but aside from that one hiccup, the album's perfect. Yeah. Uh, um, I was trying to squeeze Travelling Alone into the thing we did previously, <laughs> but it, it just didn't quite didn't quite fit in there. Yeah, um, Travelling Alone... Yeah, Travelling Alone was... Uh, it's, I listened to that once when I was uh, uh, moving house mm-hmm. and I was like commuting from work to the house where we, it was like, it was run down. So I was having to do it all up on my own. It's like weeks away from my girlfriend and my cats and just constant work, work, work. And having that on the way back home, I was like, okay, yeah. almost the tears. And then fucking elephant kicks in and it's like, yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> Rushing to yeah. get home. What's the line on? Traveling alone, it's like what? What good does no one do with no one to show it to, or something? Yeah, it's like, oh, mate. And um, 
Oh, uh, what's the first track? It's got the lines, um, girl, leave your boots by the bed. We ain't leaving this room until someone needs medical help or Magnolia's balloon. It's like, mate, yeah, that's just, that's up there with Guilty Feet Ain't Got No Rhythm, isn't it? It's, yeah. It's, yeah, it's perfect. Like, Yeah, so this album is it's hard to listen to in public. Uh, Elephant is one song I cannot listen to in public because it reduces no. me to tears every time. Yeah. Um, and there's a Pavlov dog. I think I said to you about crying over cauliflowers at some point. Yeah, come on the phone. There is a Pavlov dog situation after that, where you hear the uh, flying over water, the the opening chords yeah. of that. It gives you a huge sigh of relief, even if you haven't listened to the previous songs. That's like, yeah, I've, I've, you're uplifted by it. That's like a beautiful anthem of a song as well. Yeah, um, I cause... only came to that record maybe a couple of years ago. Um... He was on Mark Maron's podcast, and then he did like an acoustic version of Elephant, and I was like, "What? Who the fuck is this? Like, he's amazing." And then I went back and found it. I was like, "Jesus, this like, how have I missed this?" Yeah, I, I kind of relate. I think a bit more to it now because I've, I've stopped drinking kind of after seventeen months, and this you find out is written after rehab. And the whole idea is like you write something to remember it. This is what this album was for him. And uh, is it flying over water? Is about um, it's kind of downbeat but really uplifting sounding it's about sobriety and the fear of losing the ability to be yourself if you stop drinking right yeah yeah it's an amazing call and the last choice I've got is uh, it's a personal one this one Standable Pilots Purple Standable Pilots have you been swatting up <laughs> why are you I... doing this in a couple of weeks are you no, no, it's just it's one. Of my, it's brilliant. It's just a brilliant record. It's right at my street. Like it. it's the thing. Standable Pilots are uh, no one's favorite grunge band. I think people like them, but when you say mm-hmm. favorite grunge, uh, favorite band, it's like no one really says they're their favorite band, except an ex-girlfriend of mine who was the one who introduced me to them. And listening to this always takes me back to night when we listen to it, and it's not an intimate lovey-dovey love-making session moment because we've broken up at this point. We've kind of gone our separate ways, been with other people, then found each other again. And I'd been with a girlfriend before that. It was kind of acrimonious. And she had the same thing with an, a boyfriend she'd been with previously. So we got together and just talked the entire evening. And I think it was... Because um, we were just getting over longer relationships, it was like a adult talk and like a moment of growing up. And that's what it was. It was like the first adult conversation I've ever had with someone. Because before that, it's like your friends and you talk about TV, music, movies, and that kind of stuff. Records and bands. Yeah, that kind of thing. And this <laughs> is the first conversation I've ever had with someone like that was about like buying a house, falling out of love with someone, um, like death, because my granddad died previous couple of weeks before. And I didn't even have a conversation with my parents about that. We end up having a chat about that, and it's like it's an adult conversation. First time we've ever had one, and they come to having kids, and it's like, yeah, I don't want kids. She wanted kids, and that's why we never got back together again. So, like, she was at a crossroads in her life and needed to talk, and we end up dragging each other. Well, she tried to drag me into adulthood with her, and she went her own way, and I think she got married to a guy or had kids i'm not sure after that because we kind of just drifted apart but it's one of those things where you kind of think back to it and think you realize what she was trying to do and it's like you 
eventually grow up. And every time I listen to that album now, it's like, yeah, takes me back to the time. Have you got favorite al- favorite song on that album? Ooh. Still remains. Good choice. Although Big Empty always is a mixtape yeah. favorite. I'll, oh, I'll be honest. I'm probably even. You're saying about being a bit basic, but Interstate Love Song is a fucking banger, isn't it? So. <laughs> it's a great album. Like I say, yeah. I don't think they're anyone's favorite band, but everyone likes those albums. The first four. Yeah. Fourth one's a bit of a hard sell on some people, but yeah. But those are my three of albums. Uh, did you fancy tackling the artists, or did you just leave it at the album? Uh, I did have a favorite artist, and that's Tom Waits. And I was thinking about like albums I could put in, but um, he's a victim of the shuffle button. Right. But not in a bad way, because I can listen to his entire back catalogue at random. So you've got like the old stuff, like Closing Time, Half, Saturday Night, up to Frank's World Years, Mule Variations, et cetera, et cetera. So you get the weird stuff in with the traditional stuff. And it's amazing to hear the variation of work over the years. And yeah, it's like his weirder spoken word stuff does go down as an influence on what I'm trying to do audio drama wise. It's a bit weird sounds in the background. Yeah, I'd he's a bit of a blind spot for me, to be honest. But I get the same sort of feeling like you're saying that it's just like the whole catalogue. I'm like that with Ben Folds. I can just, like, I don't need an album. I'll have all the songs in one playlist and hit the shuffle button for Ben Folds, and I know I'm going to have a wicked hour. Yeah. Well, that's it with Tom Waits. He's had so many albums. You can put it on all day and not hit the same song twice. But yeah, I couldn't think of an album single one to put into that. So yeah, Tom Waits, favoritized. Brilliant. Um, what was the first record you bought with your own money, or you specifically asked someone else to buy for you? Die Straits, Brother in Arms. So obviously, this was 1984? Fuck. Yeah, ish. So yeah, I was very young when it came out. And I, say, yeah. I think it was just because of the guitar on the cover, and I liked the picture. And money it's for an nothing. iconic cover. Yeah. And Money for Nothing, like that track. Yeah. Uh, from memory, I remember Money for Nothing. Great song, apart from that hard F word. Mm-hmm. Walk of Life. Um, cheesy. I remember there's a wrestler who trained me called Johnny Kidd who used it as a walkout song, oh. which, which is not very intimidating, but, you know. He was no, a... it's about busking, isn't it? <laughs> It's about a busker, isn't it? I was always under the impression. Yeah, I think it's it's journeyman kind of thing, isn't it? Right. Yeah, that's basically. yeah. But he, um, it's lovely. Like he was, he's quite scary when he wanted to be. Could really um, wrestle. So far away, that's on there as well, isn't it? Yeah. Um. I think the only one I remember is Brothers in Arms. I just yeah. remember that being very long. But I listened to it back a couple of days ago. He's done some good soundtrack work as well, hasn't he, Mark? <laughs> <laughs> that's what I got from it. Really, yeah. it's it's like. Very soundtracky type of stuff. Um, very eighties in parts, synthy, quite shallow in sound though. Right, yeah. So I think a lot of the songs like Brothers in Arms would have been amazing if you had like a big orchestral arrangement behind it. Um, but yeah, it's so far away. I remember as well. And this, the man's too strong. Oh right, okay. I don't think I that's on. Really that's a really right. good song. I think that will be the standout if I had to listen to it again. Like one I pick out without going all the way back to the eighties. Is there a best Dire Straits song? 
And is it Romeo and Juliet? <sighs> yeah, that one money for nothing. Yeah. Which I think is just tainted with that yeah. one word in it. Yeah. So I think Romeo and Juliet would win. I actually no idea what happened to the copy of that. I think my dad gave it away when he had to clear out. Occasionally, you'll just get rid of all his vinyl. I would uh, regularly just go up in the loft and or where yeah, spell. What what when Dad moved his collections or start buying CDs? It, like there was a time when he didn't actually have a record player, so all his records were up in the loft, and they would migrate down to my flat slowly. <laughs> but I'd literally just go up in the loft, grab a handful. I wouldn't even look at what I was getting until I got down down home. So there would be like Pink Floyd stuff in there, Dire Straits, um, a load of old like forty five singles. So like um, Credence were in there, and all weird. Yeah, Roy Orbison at one point. Like I you know, just go through it. Like my dad's only yeah. twenty years older than me as well, so it's like not a big gap between us. Like some, you know, musically yeah. wise. But I mean, my dad was into the Beatles and the Who. The Who I loved, but. Beatles, not too. But I've listened to them recently, and I'm, I'm kind of coming around to it. Okay. I think everyone has a time they hate the Beatles, and that's how yeah. they go. Yeah, actually, they're all right. Okay, I haven't got to that time yet. <laughs> um, what was the last record that you um bought or streamed or downloaded? Because you're into physical media now, aren't you? Yeah, I like the vinyl. I, with my sobriety, I've decided to buy one a month to celebrate it. And I bought Tom Waits' 50th anniversary of Closing Time. Oh, lovely. Which is going to be arriving in about three months' time. My wallet hates me for it. <laughs> uh, Streaming-wise, I've I've got a few. Okay. Um, the Redskins, I listened to yesterday. It's my album of the day on my Instagram at the moment. don't know if you know them or not. No, I don't. Is this a Scarpunk band you're on about? They're, yeah, Soul Punk. Um, Redskins is... An 80s anti-fascist movement. All right. Marxist punk skinheads who get very punchy if you fly a flag with a swastika on it, which I thought was great. That's right. I um, love them. Yeah, only one album, um, neither Washington nor Moscow, which is really good. Cool. I'll check that one out. Uh, Bob Villain. Someone introduced me to them the other day, and they're amazing. Uh, Two-piece. Same sort of thing, actually. Uh, they, they hate Nazis, hate the Tories. Very, very angry. Good. Very, very angry. Good. And the last thing I listened to this after, oh, this morning before coming to the call with you was um, Headpiece 70s cover album. I remember Headpiece. <laughs> Which is fucking rotten. <laughs> <laughs> I remember them being in with that weird set of like new metal bands that weren't as good as Korn. So they were like orgy in cold chamber and that sort of yeah. standard. I'll, I'll, I'll just drag get the album playlist and because um, I, I I like a cover version, I like a good gimmick. Um, as we'll find out a bit later. But yeah, I saw this and thought, okay, it's it's a new album. It's been recommended by Deezer. One of my fav- favorite gimmicky albums. I've mentioned it those on this show. It's a Bad Religion Christmas songs album. <laughs> But they take it properly seriously. It's not like, oh, let's just knock it out. It's like pro- yeah, proper uh, decent arrangements going on there, boys. Like. So yeah, Head P, 70s hit from the pit. They got pretty vacant. I want to be sedated. I fought the law. Heart of gold. Uncontrollable oh. urge. Margaritaville. A horse with no name. American Pie. The Joker. And 50 Ways to Leave Your Lover. And it is awful. 
they're, they're having maybe. fun. I'll give them that. They're obviously having fun doing it. Can't take that away from them. But yeah, he's he's terrible. <laughs> I don't recommend that at all. But the Redskins and Bob Villain definitely Excellent. check them out. Brilliant. When I was a kid, we always lived like out in the sticks. So the nearest place for us to go for a proper gig was like an hour away, north or south. We either had to get up like an hour up to Birmingham or an hour down to like Newport or Cardiff. So you're in the big city. Have you always been in the mm. city? And yeah. So that it would have been easier for you to get to gigs. So which was your first gig? First gig, 1996, Hyde Park, the Princess Trust Masters of Music Festival, where the Who played Quadrophenia. I think that was like their first time doing it as uh, one big show. Right. That was the band we went to see. The rest of the um, card was, was it Jules Holland did a set, Alanis Morris set. This is a Jaggy Little Peel era, mm-hmm. just straight after that. Bob Dylan, and then the main event was Eric Clapton, who we walked out of before he got on stage. Excellent. Probably the wisest decision you made. <laughs> wasn't even because of that, so he was just not a fan of Eric Clapton. No. You know? But yeah, I'm, I'm, I don't really care that we walked out on that one, because we saw everyone else. Alliance Morissette was great. I bet she was. Yeah. was kind of fun. Did she, sorry, did she still have Taylor Hawkins on drums then? Yep. Yep, she did. Brilliant. Yeah, Bob Dylan was Bob Dylan. He actually played some of his hits, which he doesn't always do these days. He just plays his new stuff, doesn't he? Yeah. It's weird. But The Who was great. They had like Phil Daniels on narration. Trevor oh, yeah. McDonald was there. Aide Edmondson as the bellboy. Brilliant. Stephen Fry as a hotel manager. <laughs> David Gilmore come out and played on some of the songs. And Gary Glitter was on it. So, he used to be my neighbour. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Portland Prison. I'm literally a mile from Portland Prison. Is he just down the road from you? Well, he got that out a couple of months ago, didn't he? Oh, God. But yeah, for, yeah. so we used to always say that um, Gary Glitter's my neighbour because he's in the prison <laughs> up the road. So, But yeah, after that, that was quite quite early in my life, actually, because 96, I'd just left school. And after that, I didn't go to a gig until 2000. Oh, right, okay. 2001. Because I just had no one to go with, so I ended up yeah. going on my own. And I saw Kitty at the garage. Supported by a hundred reasons. Yeah. My first gig was 96 as well. That's television in the leisure center in Newport. Um, <laughs> and then, but then I had like four years where I had like a gig every week. Like I really got the hook for it. And it was, but I, um, it was a bit slow to start with because like none of us drove. But as soon as someone got a driving license, that was it. Every week we were either up to Birmingham and Dudley and Wolverhampton seeing like the Wild Hearts or Therapy or Sick of It All or whoever, or would go down to Newport and we'll see, you know, whoever's touring like the Manics and Therapy again, mm. Pantera, Slayer, like Motorhead, yeah. like, Motorhead a load of times. Like, but um, what was the last gig you went to? Last gig was me first in the Gimme Gummies in uh, Islington uh, last year, which was a fun gig because it's the first time I've been out in. Is it last year or this year? It's quite recent, but it was a fun gig because it's the first time I've been out in ages, like not even just before lockdown. I think the gig before that was 2014, the last one I went to before right. that. But it was like um, middle-aged punks in cardigans pogo into 80s and 90s pop hits. Brilliant. Some 70s disco, like done punk, which is like good fun. 
I uh, I do like to draw a a fairly straight line between um, me first and the gimme gimme's back to like Frank Sidebottom. <laughs> there's there uh, did he didn't didn't um didn't Frank support Bros or something at Wembley Stadium and then he went on and did his version of um, When Will I Be Famous and got bottled off. <laughs> <laughs> but it, just that you know, yeah. Um, did it give you the bug again though to get back into going to you know to go to gigs regularly or? Yeah, it's just that thing of not knowing which bands to go see. So you're looking for the um other like older bands. I did I think mention to you about Everclear and um who else who were they supporting? Ah, oh, Soul Asylum. That was it. Everclear and Soul Asylum. I thought about going to that, but then it was like oh, okay, it's the day I'm actually working next week. Mm. So I'm looking for bands like that, and I. Because modern music, I'm kind of lost on. Yeah, me. Yep. So yeah, it's, it's kind of looking around London. You see, the venues are fewer and far between these days. Because where we used to go was like a, the Astoria, um, Mean Fiddler, the Astoria too. There was like a, uh, the venue that was all like Tottenham Court Road, and they would all been demolished. So a lot of the places in London we used to go to have all gone. So it's moving further and further out. I mean, you've got the 100 clubs in uh, Oxford Street. I thought, I think I saw, um, saw Knuckle Dust advertise for being there. And I thought I'd go and see that. But straight up UK hardcore. But I missed that one. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. It's, um, I want to go see more. It's just that whole thing of finding a band you want to go see. I've got a friend who goes to gigs still. But he's more... Uh, death metal kind of right stuff okay it's gone. see the problem i have a lot of the bands i want to go and see now like i want to go see... <laughs> yeah um but also like, i'd love to see pearl jam again and they played in hyde park last year and it was cheap for the two nights you could you could see them over the two nights for 120 quid but the tickets go like that and you're there with seventy five thousand other people well i want to see a initiative little club thank you very much yeah that is it it's, it's you want to see them in like a smaller venue yeah so we think can... a lot of these bands from the 90s are sort of doing their comeback things are doing smaller venues which is good yeah i i have got a um a repetitive rant about how uh you know new bands aren't getting the chances because gig promoters and venues put on my bands because they know i've got 65 quid a ticket whereas the, the kids haven't got 18 quid to see their band you know so it's that is the other thing with ticket prices it's yeah, it's ridiculous. Especially with the popular acts now, it's just you, this whole Taylor Swift thing, wasn't there? Where it's yeah. like no one could actually afford the tickets; yeah. they were sold out. Still, it's like yeah. who the fuck's got them? Um, I just got tickets for Ben Folds um, up in Bath Forum, which is a tiny little theatre, and that was like fifty quid each. By the time you had the booking fee and that on, whereas last time I saw him in Basingstoke Art Centre, it was like eighteen quid a ticket, and that was only like five <laughs> years ago, six years ago. So anyway. <laughs> Yeah, I remember going to see some bands in Candom Underworld and like mm. eight quid a ticket. Yeah, I um, Jamie who does a show with us sometimes. He um he had tickets to see Motorhead on like one of their last tours, um, and he paid sixty five quid to see him. And I was like, mate, I saw him in nineteen ninety seven, and it cost me, I think it was like twelve pound. <laughs> like I saw, I saw him in Portsmouth. It cost um in two thousand two, cost me eighteen. Like it's. So it's the same show. Like it's not as if he puts on a wildly different experience every time. He just turns his amp up. And <laughs> who has been the biggest influence on your record collection? 
Are we talking person here or just a, a band or? Well, I was thinking person, but if there's one, you know, one artist that set you off on the similar sort of path, then go for that. Yeah, because I was thinking, I the biggest turning point in my music collection was um, when I picked up Green Day and Offspring, like Dookie and Smash. Those albums are what brought together. And that would have been like MTV Europe when they played music. So I'd get up, just watch it in the mornings, and they'd be them playing, and be like, oh, it's really good. So I went out and bought them. And that's what led to me getting into more punk, alt rock scenes, eventually into new metal, metal, and where I am now, where it's just pretty much anything goes, really. But I think if I didn't have those albums to get into, I wouldn't have gone to the punk route. Mm hmm. Maybe I just wouldn't have been interested in music too much at all. Because before that, it was... I mean, I had Guns N' Roses stuff. And I wasn't conscious of the lyrics, mm -hmm. so to speak. It was just like, oh, the music's really good. It's like really surface-level stuff. Mm. It's like listen to Jimi Hendrix and the whole thing about... Was it, you know, you listen to Jimmy, but have you really listened to Jimmy? Have you heard Jimmy? That's it, isn't it? You yeah, have you Jimmy, heard but... Jimmy? Yeah. <laughs> but that's pretty much it. It's like, I listened to the Guns N' Roses Use Your Illusion recently. Like, all seven hours of it. And the lyrics kind of make more sense now from when I listened to it, when I bought it originally. Because you listen to it then, it's like, mm. Yeah. And as problematic as some of the stuff Axel's come out with in the past, he has... At least, well, I, I'm sure I saw him come out and actually apologise for some of the shit he came out with. It, you know, I didn't know better. I know different now. All of that sort of stuff. So yeah, he's walked it all back. I think. You know, but yeah, I love Guns N' Roses. I've got a hot take about Green Day. If I can run it past you, or certainly Ducky. Go on, then. Would Ducky have been such a smash album because it was massive? So would it have done the what it did like commercially? had Kurt Cobain not killed himself. Do we think there's a generation of grunge kids who are dealing with the suicide of their icon, and my icon, and, you know, um, and then they just want something a little bit lighter, and that's the next thing that comes along? And they go, oh, this is adjacent. Pile in on that. I don't know. I think music has that thing of going up and down. Because you went from glam rock, and grunge killed glam rock would pop punk have killed grunge because would have Kurt Cobain gone the because like you were a big fan of Pearl Jam and Pearl Jam for me was um, yeah the one album like 10 or Versus <laughs> that's pretty much it for me because after that it's like okay they've had other albums and then you go back and look and it's like how many albums have they done fuck I'm, I'm missing out a lot here so would Nirvana have gone that route of being sort of just going under the radar with their albums because they were definitely going a different route with um like the unplugged album they said like that was going to be their sound more low-key so would they have still had the same sort of crowd if they weren't playing songs like teen spirit type anthems i think it more is a case of music changes and people want something up because like i say glam rock big pair and party music Grunge takes it down again. Pop punk brings it up again. Then it gets immature. And then it goes pure pop. Because that's when 
the mainstream kind of takes over every bit of music because it comes less about as we were saying it's less about the albums more about the singles and the look of things Record from Bands is produced by Rob Jones. Please support me on Patreon so you can stop spending all our money on podcast stuff and buy me a new toothbrush. Have you ever been in a band? No. <laughs> so, would you have liked to have been in a band? Or is there a specific band that you might have liked to have been a part of? So, I've owned a guitar for like 20 plus years now. And I've never learned how to play it beyond free chords mm-hmm. so you need like ramones pretty much but i've only recently learned i've been playing it all wrong anyway that's right <laughs> so i think my time for being one has passed uh because it would mean actually learning to play it but yeah. i'd love to have been in the band at some point uh if i had a choice scar punk band anyone in particular because or... they look like so much fun um, yeah. any of them loads of trumpets mad caddy something like that yeah real big fish <laughs> So, so with loads of trombones and trumpets and a brass side of it. it just they look so much fun. Right, it's a one day festival just for you. You got six slots to book. Who are you bringing on? Okay, so despite him being a favourite, I can't say I want to see Tom Waits at a festival because yeah. yeah, smoky, smoky, dimly lit dive bar material kind of thing. That's what I want to see him. So I'm going to start this festival off with Johnny Cash. Mm-hmm. Is there a particular is there a particular era of Johnny Cash? Um, when he was touring the prisons. Oh, cool! Proper old school. Yeah, party vibe, Johnny Cash. Excellent. Coked up Johnny Cash. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Stone Devil Pilots. Yep. After them, acoustic slot. Slowly moving to the electric stuff towards the end. After that, Chris Cornell solo but then with all his bands playing with him so you go Soundgarden, Temple of the Dog Audio Slave get to some of his solo stuff you know his best song, Nothing Compares to You <laughs> we've had words about this haven't we <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe it I nearly, yeah. um, again Jamie who comes on here I nearly punched him once, I talked to him about my love for Cornell and how he like I barely listened to Soundgarden since Chris Cornell passed away because I can't do it. It hurts me too much and all this, that, and the other. And he goes, yeah, I really like that Patience one that you put out. And it's a cover of the Guns N' Roses Patience song. And I'm like, <laughs> you're not coming anywhere near this podcast ever again. Like, you, like, just, oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. It's not the best cover, though. <laughs> but yeah, have like a complete retrospect of his career. And it was some big, upbeat numbers. Maybe even play some of that in the dance one he did with Timberland. Oh, off the um, screen. Yeah, that is moments. Um, after that, Carpenter Brute. I don't know that one. Ooh. Uh, brutal dance synth wave type stuff. Get the party going. It's amazing stuff. Get the yeah, get the crowd sweaty and pumped. Excellent. Uh, definitely one band you need to look into. Um, and then. Purely selfish because I've heard their hit and miss live act wise, but they got some bangers. And if you've got the crowd going, you've got the right atmosphere and the right sound system for it. Deftones, right? So I saw them a couple of times. I think I saw them at Reading one year, and maybe, and oh no, I saw them at Reading one year, and then I saw them at Docklands with um, Linkin Park support on them around two thousand and one, two thousand on the White Pony tour, anyway. 
That was jealous. Yeah, that was a long drive to get down there from Hereford because <laughs> Hereford's like you can drive. Like some someone said, I don't know you could drive for so long and still be in England. Lincoln Park were terrible. Yeah, but one of my favorite bands, just just noise wise, sound wise, what I would love to see, like as a, I'd say the main event kind of thing, semi main. But then the the main event is Pink Floyd. And how long are they playing for? Like three hours? They just going for it, or? Well, they're going to hit midnight. <laughs> the moon's going to be up in the sky. Go a transcendental experience when the moon goes up, and they're playing all their the big numbers. Is there any additives in this mix or not? <laughs> Possibly, yeah. Possibly, yeah. Why the hell not? But they're just taking their long numbers and just drawing them out even longer. Excellent. So yeah, it's, that, I think that will be a good show for me mainly. Um, for as with Pink Floyd, for as like like you say, their long songs and draw them out even longer. They don't really give me the vibe of being a jam band. <laughs> you know, they they got the um, Welcome to the Machine kind of intro to it, and it's very slow and building. You sort of do it even more. Yeah, yeah. Um, two of the best Pearl Jam gigs I've gone to, they've opened up with Interstellar Overdrive and then gone into one of their own songs. So it's always hmm. a good opener. Which band or artist makes you dance around the kitchen like a dickhead? Okay. Against me. Against me. Is that the um they're a punk band, aren't they? Yeah. Like um used to be like an acoustic y type punk band, acoustic folk type and they've sort of moved towards more mainstream kind of punk. They're on Epitaph, um, but, aren't they? I think. I think so. Probably everyone has been, been around a few point. times. Yeah. yeah. Uh, band I've seen live the most times. I think four times overall now. Uh, first time I saw them was the One Hundred Club. It's like maybe a hundred people, and the last one was the Electric Ballroom. Right. This is um after um, whole thing with the lead singer being mm. um, what's the word? Um, transitioning. Mm-hmm. So yeah, kind of a different experience. Uh, stuff is is the dance like no one is watching with one fist in the air. That's one of the lyrics in the songs. It's that kind of stuff where you sing at the top top of your lungs. Big anthems gets me doing that every time. Brilliant. I saw a documentary about, or they were on a documentary about Green Day, and uh, they were saying about the effect that like Billy Joe writing about his bisexuality and stuff early on had on them and helped them mm. through their their transition. You know, so. Yeah, yeah, but I've um, dropped off with their albums recent years and not seen them for a while. I think my friend is no longer with me. Do we used to go to gigs to see him? And by that, I mean he went to America and lives off grid, so I don't speak to him anymore. Not because you've fallen out, just because you physically can't. Yeah, physically, yeah. But when he was over here, he was like a big fan as well, so we used to go to all the gigs. Is there a band or an artist that like the whole world think are amazing? like the bee's knees and you just like yeah i don't get it i think there's one specific but remember that period in the early 10s when all the bands had the at the start the the killers the strokes the arctic monkeys garage pop punk never got into any of them just can't get it the white stripes is like recently i've been getting to jack white stuff but even back then i'm like no i don't can't get into it no. all that stuff kind of amused me why it was popular 
is it because of age though do you think like it's not our it's not because we're I'm, I'm i'm looking young i'm presuming we're a similar age um what 25 yeah obviously um but like there's a difference between the stuff i listen to and the stuff who my like my brother's 34 35 and he's into all of that sort of like two thousands indie stuff because that's when he was out that was on the jukeboxes when he's going out drinking with being that that that's but when I was doing doing that at eighteen, it was for me it was like the grunge stuff and then like the the punk stuff that came through. So I never really got into that indie scene. So do you think it's something similar there? Yeah, possibly. I'm not trying to convince you. Most of it's shy, but <laughs> yeah, possibly it's, it's might be an age thing. But yeah, it's just that era of music. I just didn't get any of it whatsoever. It's like people raving about them. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, like the Fratellis and the Zootons and. Oh, well, Jeez, I forgot about them. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> um, or on the other side of the coin, is there a band that you're really into that you love that you think are amazing, uh, but no one else you know likes them? Uh, I think there was a few bands when, like the new metal era, alt metal. There were some bands I picked up then, which I really liked that never went anywhere. There's one called Cinch, right? And they were out. Uh, during the big new metal boom, they were on one of the labels there, and they had like three, I think three albums, really good stuff, alt metal, and never went anywhere. And they got dropped from the label because they weren't, they weren't cool, pretty much. But yeah, Cinch, really good band. Right, cool. There was and... a band during that time as well called Cold. Do you remember Cold? They were oh, like yeah. a new metal Cold. band. They did. I think they might have done two albums and then they just disappeared from nowhere. But they were, they were all right. Cold. Are they still going? Are they? Um, yeah. Life of um, Agony were another one, weren't they? Yeah, all these bands I, I yeah. remember. I don't think, because especially back then, it was like you have to actually pay like 20 quid for a fucking CD. You know, get you know, many choices. But yeah, Cinch I picked up. Um, the Start, another band. They come from, there's another new metal band, or alt metal called Human Waste Project. They had one I album. know that name. That they kind of bombed into who else? So the band split up, and then eventually they come out with the start, which was the lead singer Amy Echo and uh, Jamie Miller, who's in another mm-hmm. new metal band, which kind of broke up. They're like um, new wavy, synth wavy, pop punk type stuff. Those are really good. Cool. I'll check Maybe them out. one person knows about them. I think anyone else. No, that's no. pretty much it. <laughs> 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 um, oh yeah, I did find a CD that a couple of weeks back. Um, there's a band called No Jehoda, and they had an album called Jehoda's Witness, and they're like a really weird alt metal band that's just really bizarre stuff. Cause, like they do like kazoo break in one of their songs. I was like, okay, it's an odd band. I no idea what happened to them after that. Listen to the album; it's, it's quite good. I search them online, and it's um, it's Atticus Ross. And his brothers. Oh, he's the boy who works with Trent Reznor. And it's like he's band with his brothers, and it's the most bizarre album ever. And I didn't realise it was him. But yeah, Jehoda's Witness or No Jehoda, they're called. If you track them, I think it's on. I think it's on YouTube because it's not on any streaming services. Which is an Oscar winner, like in Atticus Ross, because he does soundtracks with um, Trent Reznor. It's like, yeah, okay. Um, you can time travel to anywhere musically, any scene, any time, any place. Where do you want to go? 
it's gonna sound bizarre but uh vietnam era protest music <laughs> don't want to be in Wine. vietnam itself but you know no. <laughs> but the music that come out then is like um it was experimental rock and like art had a big influence on it so all the stuff was like the sort of laurel canyon vibe stuff or not quite yeah, i guess so not quite as aquarian there's like a feeling to it not like the doors mm. you listen yep. to the Doors songs and it's like you listen to lyrics and it's really pretentious and shit and if you listen to them like a single song it's really dry and you 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 can't go out shopping and listen to the doors all the time but if you watch the oliver stone film got a scene in it which is or ken burns is vietnam war documentary yes yeah, like 13 like that. hours long yeah yeah but yeah, Oliver Stone's The Doors is like is a really pretentious film. But there's a scene in it where he's playing one of the songs, and it's a really long, drawn out version of one of the songs, and it just it's the scene. It's fucking beautiful. It's a feeling that goes with it. And it's the uh, same with yeah, Jimi yeah, Hendrix. Yeah. Jimi Hendrix, I know guitarists who don't rate him technically because of, they can do what he did, and it's like oh, he's not that good. But it's the sound yeah, and the image and the feeling you. behind it. Yeah. yeah. It's like you go to a Hendrix gig and you know it's a Hendrix gig because it's it's not just the drugs as well, it's the feeling behind it. But yeah, that era brought out some amazing music because you listen to it now, it's like it'll transport you to the time because you've got like Rolling Stones, Jimi Hendrix, The Doors, Bob Dylan, Credence. And so you've uh, got Dylan when he's, still a, when he's still a folk rock protesting <laughs> dude, isn't he? Like he's still, he's still got a bit about him almost, you know? Yeah, he hasn't, he's Christian era, he hasn't got his fully electric era i mean you even got the iggy and the stooges sneaking in as well with david yeah. bowie kind of thing yeah sort of creeping in so yeah it's like five stuff like that as well yeah it's just like an era of absolute stone cold classic acts but you needed to be there to experience them because you can't be i don't think you can be you a... need to be in it you don't want to be a fly on the wall yeah you can't be um I could take another example. Leonard Skinner. You can't be a Leonard Skinner fan nowadays. You can enjoy the music, but you can't be a fan unless you've been to one of their shows. And you can't be into one of their shows because most of the band's dead. So you've got to yeah. experience it there. I think that era of music is like something that's got to be really experienced in the moment. Obviously not in the war, but yeah. <laughs> it sounds weird, but yeah, that is it's, it's a great, great era of music. Yeah, but like you say, it's a feel and it's a vibe and it's, you know, and that's the only way of explaining it really, isn't it? Because it's not like, it's not The End by The Doors or, I don't know, White Rabbit by Jefferson Airplane or whatever. It's just the whole feeling that, that all conjures up together, you know? So, right, you get to put one song on our playlist for the ages where we're trying to collate the best songs of all time ever to what you're putting on our playlist. Man, great songs of all time ever. I saw this as being it going on the time capsule into space as being a way of communicating to aliens. So I figure if it's going to space, it needs to be a song that has a lesson attached to it. So we're teaching the poor aliens who might one day contact us about humanity. Um, so Yeah, I hadn't thought about it that hard. <laughs> yes, it's, it's why my podcast is such a fucking mess story-wise. I think way too much about this stuff. Um, so yeah a big part of uh, humanity is like the emotion we call love and love has obvious side effects as you know um, lust obsession 
heartbreak, which is what my song is about. And I've gone with a song which encapsulates that feeling as a whole, not just with words, but with music. Uh, you don't even need to know our language to actually understand it, because the music sort of makes you feel it. So uh, Bob Marley wrote, the one good thing about music, when you when it hits you, you feel no pain. Bob Marley has never heard a Dillinger escape plan. <laughs> so Dillinger escape plan, Widower. You heard this song? I don't think I have, no. I'm tempted to ask you to I'm listen to it now to, and come though. back and we'll finish this off once you've listened to it. <laughs> No, no. Tell me all about it. Tell me. The whole point is as well that this uh, this uh, this whole thing opens me up to new stuff that I haven't heard before as well. So okay, so widower is a song about breakup, and the feeling behind it is the protagonist was the one who fucked it up and is angry at themselves for causing the rift. Uh, the idea that they're never gonna have that love in their life again, and every time there's a chorus, of the song, the music grows and it's more frantic. And if you're unaware of the Dillinger Escape Plan, they play mathcore, which uh, is very confusing. Essentially, they don't stick to the standard 4-4 structure or different instruments play at different time signatures, but it all lines up eventually. And it's like an equation, unlike jazz, which is totally freeform. This is a structure, but it's sometimes hard to decipher. So Widower is like their masterpiece as it layers so much in and it builds and builds and builds. So it starts off with uh, some piano work by Mike Garson, who's a famous jazz pianist who's worked with... Bowie, Nine Inch Nails, and Smashing Pumpkins. A lot on the door tour. You're a Pumpkins fan. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They went quite synth-heavy then. Yeah, so any piano work on that tour was like this guy. And on top of that, he adds instruments. But each one is doing its own thing. And if you listen to it in high fidelity, through great headphones, you hear everything, and it's playing at you from every different direction. And it gets like say build and build and build until it finally erupts into pure anger but not angry at the subject it's angry at yourself and the feelings that go with it then it calls off back again to the piano and it feels like a relief from what you've been listening to it's like heartbreak is a core human emotion and experience i think an alien race could take a lot from and this song just fully encapsulates that it's like a, a like a manic breakdown in a song wonderful thank you very much i look forward to listening to it i might listen to it and then i might have to do an emergency <laughs> podcast all about it from the sounds of it i do that from time to time it's definitely one you gotta to do with headphones on and just take it all in um that's great thank you very much for your time it's been an absolute blast just remind us where we can get all of your f king stuff that's at totalcultzone.com that's for your f king show needs desires and rot and butt pics and lovely job thank you very much i'll put all of that in the show notes along with all of our social links and a link to the playlist and you can see every see what everyone else who i've put through this ordeal has chosen over on the website so i've been rob he's been that f king guy and that was records and bands Tell me how good it's fucking boring.